0: section one hundred and one of england scotland ireland and wales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot the world story volume Ten: england scotland ireland and wales edited by eva march Tappan. section one hundred and one the winning back of the land eighteen o eight to nineteen o three by charles johnston and carita spencer great as was the need for emancipation it was as nothing compared to the distress and suffering caused by the deplorable social and economic condition of the country the relations between landlord and tenant were worse than at any pastime and every year brought new and heavier taxes instead of lessening the burdens which the people already bore each man in the long series of middlemen as well as the tenant and the landlord at the two ends of the series had to gain a profit from the same acre of land and no one was willing to spend money on improving the quality of the land if it be asked why the answer is simple the tenant held his land from year to year at the will of the landlord and if he made improvements and so increase the value of the land he would be called on to pay a greater rent or leave his holding the middlemen would not make improvements because whoever stood next above them in the scale of extortion would immediately have demanded a greater payment the landlord made no improvements because he was accustomed to think of himself as a man with rights and privileges and never as a man with duties and obligations the result was that a piece of land was allowed to go from bad to worse and was finally rented for an excessive sum to a peasant so poor that he could not improve it in any way and could barely make a starvation wage for himself and his family in england the landlord was the agricultural partner of his tenant investing large sums of money in improvements such as drains fences outhouses and so forth so that the value of the land steadily rose but nothing of the kind existed in ireland frequently whole towns were owned by one man who thus had it in his power to exact what rents he pleased at the time of the union the population of ireland amounted to about four and a half millions it now began to increase rapidly the landlords permitted and even encouraged extreme subdivision of land so that they might collect rents from as many tenants as possible the peasants came to grow potatoes more and more exclusively since this was the cheapest crop and that which most easily sustained life without further outlay it is recorded that often during this time the poor peasant would plant his potatoes at the proper season and then go off to england to work for some english farmer and so try to make a little money meanwhile his family was left almost penniless to beg or borrow he would come back in time to dig his potato crop in the autumn and in this way he could earn more than by growing corn and a variety of crops then we must not forget the innumerable taxes he had to pay and the repeated injustice he suffered at the hands of the middlemen and tax-gatherers it was nothing unusual for a peasant to be forced to pay rent twice over to different middlemen both claiming the same piece of ground and to have his cattle sold before his eyes if he resisted these demands All this was known to Parliament, or at least ought to have been known, since it had all been graphically described by Irish members, but no notice was taken of it. The question of the land was now the gravest which remained to be solved. It involved the right to work, the right to earn food for one's family, the right to possess a home. A ferment of agitation gradually spread through the country, which culminated in the formation of the Land League in 1879. The inspirer of this movement was Michael Davitt but it owed much of its success to the commanding genius of charles stuart parnell the land league meant the organizing of a nation in defense of its rights and was far more effective than any armed rebellion its three immediate objects were fair rent fixed hold and free sale by fair rent it was meant that the rent to be paid by a tenant should not be fixed arbitrarily by a grasping landlord but should be justly decided by a court after examining the land and judging of its extent and fertility fixed hold meant that the tenant should be entitled to hold his farm in security without fear of eviction or extortion so long as he paid the fair rent decided on by the court free sale meant that the tenant was entitled to sell his interest in his farm to a new tenant that interest representing the capital he had invested in improving the farm in fencing draining clearing and building the land league represented the organized demand for these things and every detail of the question was made thoroughly clear to the peasants of every part of ireland at great public meetings addressed by parnell and his lieutenants at first parnell had greatly doubted whether the irish people would take up the land question in a serious way do you think he asked one of the older patriots that the irish people will take part in an agitation for land reform i think replied the patriot that to settle the land question the irish people will go to the gates of hell from ireland the agitation spread to the united states an extensive organization was there formed which set itself the task of providing the sinews of war a parliamentary fund was collected and parnell was soon in a position to provide for his army of parliamentary followers who were thus able to leave their other occupations and devote themselves wholly to the work of reform parnell commanded a parliamentary party of eighty-six members and never was a party so well led and so finely disciplined following the example set by joseph bigger of making long speeches and raising technical obstacles parnell perfected the system of parliamentary obstruction he made it impossible for the english parliament to carry on its work before it had done justice to ireland meanwhile the political situation was rapidly changing in england the conservative government fell and gladstone was returned to power in eighteen eighty as the head of a strong liberal government the land-league agitation had penetrated to every part of ireland and had aroused such strong feelings against extortion and injustice that acts of violence and outrage were frequent gladstone proclaimed the land league an unlawful body and its leaders including parnell were arrested and thrown into prison gladstone determined however to settle the question of the land as he had settled the question of the church in eighteen sixty nine he therefore drew up the famous land bill of eighteen eighty one which secured to the irish people the three objects that had been agitated for thirty years fair rent fixed hold and free sale a land court was established with power to hold sessions in every part of ireland to fix fair rents which were thenceforth called judicial rents and to decide on the value of improvements made by a tenant on his farm in order to secure him in the enjoyment of these improvements this was a splendid measure and the good it has done is incalculable but many evils had survived from the past and were destined long to survive a series of crops almost as bad as in the famine years had reduced the tenants to dire poverty and often to starvation yet the landlords insisted on exacting the full arrears of rent which they had arbitrarily imposed before the days of the land court the consequence was that acts of violence increased carried on chiefly by secret societies such as the moonlighters and the invincibles gladstone grew disgusted with the attempt to rule ireland by force and coercion and came to an agreement with parnell then in kilmainham jail under which he was to receive parnell's support in parliament in return for measures beneficial to ireland gladstone's ministry fell from power in eighteen eighty five and lord salisbury and the conservatives returned to office their policy was marked by two principles first steady opposition to the agitation of the land league and the lawlessness which followed in its wake and second an organized methodical and enlightened attempt to remove the causes of irish poverty and misery one by one they passed the first land purchase act in eighteen eighty five a measure to enable the tenants to buy their farms from the landlords and so to be rid of the exactions and the extortions of rent once and for ever the english government placed a sum of twenty-five million dollars in cash at the disposal of the irish farmers who could borrow as much as they required to buy their farms at once they were to repay the government by instalments spread out over forty-nine years at the end of which time they would be absolute owners of the soil several thousand more tenants became owners and reduced the amount they had to pay yearly by about one-third this measure has worked admirably and the sense of security gained by the farmers has already begun to call forth the qualities of thrift industry and in providence which the former conditions of land tenure in ireland had done everything to destroy arthur james balfour became chief secretary for ireland in 1887 in this post he played two widely different roles first as the opponent of the irish party in the house of commons he was cool polite satirical and very determined second in ireland itself he sincerely and effectively studied the wants of the irish people and set himself to devise remedies to meet them the second land purchase bill was passed in eighteen eighty eight by which a second sum of twenty five million dollars was put at the disposal of irish tenants who wished to purchase their farms mr balfour also turned his attention to what are called the congested districts in the west of ireland the condition in these districts has been well described by t w russell one of the most gifted of the liberal unionists a great part of the crowded population of the western seaboard live subject to the most shocking conditions the land is in many places hardly worth cultivating the riches of the sea are not for these poor people they have no boats no capital the skill of the fishermen has ceased to be developed and even were the fish caught the market does not exist that is there are no means of transit thereto struggling for a wretched existence upon these arid patches of soil growing potatoes and little else feeding a pig and rearing a scarecrow of a calf this is the method by which thousands of human beings drag out a miserable existence balfour set himself to remedy this by extending a system of railways through the congested districts obtaining a grant of seven million dollars from parliament for that purpose in eighteen ninety one balfour went very much further he had been convinced by this time and had convinced his party that in land purchase lay the solution of the irish question he obtained a new advance from parliament this time for a hundred and seventy million dollars to be applied for the purchase of farms by the farmers he also formed the congested districts board which was charged with the duty of purchasing land under the purchase acts for the purpose of enlarging and consolidating farms of improving the breed of horses cattle and poultry aiding the fishing industry by erecting piers and boat slips by the supply of boats and fish curing stations and of developing agriculture and other industry thus a constructive period gradually replaced the work of confiscation which england had carried on in ireland during centuries the cultivators of ireland have for over a generation had an opportunity of buying back their lands by installments more than six thousand tenants purchased their farms under the irish church act of eighteen sixty nine the land acts of eighteen seventy and eighteen eighty one each turned nearly a thousand tenants into proprietors the land purchase act of eighteen eighty five extended the same privilege to two thousand more the land purchase acts of eighteen ninety one and eighteen ninety six turned into owners of the soil no less than thirty seven thousand former tenants arthur james balfour became prime minister in nineteen o two with george Wyndham a descendant of lord edward fitzgerald as chief secretary for ireland he decided to settle the irish land question once for all and as far as possible to sweep the irish landlords out of existence parnell had said when the irish landlords are as anxious to go as we are to get rid of them the land question will be practically solved wyndham saw that the time was rapidly approaching when this would be true through the operation of gladstone's land courts the rents had been twice lowered all over ireland a third settlement of these rents was approaching it has long been the custom in ireland to make the selling value of the land depend upon the rent in general land is sold for a sum of money equal to the rent for twenty years thus if the rent of a farm were a hundred dollars a year its selling value would be two thousand dollars in ireland this is expressed by saying that the land is sold at twenty years purchase if the land court reduced the rent to seventy five dollars a year the selling value of the farm would fall to fifteen hundred dollars so much sheer loss to the landlord the irish landlords had now seen the value of their property shrink twice under the operation of the land courts a third shrinkage was rapidly approaching this gave wyndham his opportunity his new land purchase bill included two propositions first to put at the disposal of the irish tenants a sum of english money so large that practically every tenant in ireland could take advantage of it and second to induce the landlords to part with their farms by offering them a bonus equal to about one-eighth of the selling price of the land thus the tenant was able to buy cheap while the landlord sold dear both parties being in an extremely satisfactory position wyndham made it possible for the whole nation to buy back the land and for the first time in history a whole people undertook the work of national redemption on the instalment plan wyndham's bill became law and came into operation on november one nineteen o three a government report recently printed sheds a flood of light on the working of land purchased during the thirty-four years preceding wyndham's act it is found that though the land has always been the first care of the purchasing tenants the houses both dwelling and farm buildings have been very materially improved since they became owners of the soil in all the four provinces this is the general testimony new buildings have sprung up old ones have been repaired on some estates where the condition of purchased and non purchased holdings can be contrasted it is found that while the houses on the former have been much improved on the latter they are in a very neglected state the middleman has been done away with subletting and subdivision are practically extinct tenants will no longer sell part of their farms i could well perceive says one of the english land inspectors the love that these people have for their little homes and how desperate must be their position before parting with them and purchase seems to make them cling to them even more than before not less favourable is the verdict as to the credit and solvency of the new purchasers it is increased all around as is testified to by local bankers and shopkeepers who are in a position to know best a very good symptom is the fact that these new landowners are chary of getting into debt and think twice before they borrow money even when their credit is good we can well see that a great moral change must accompany this steady material regeneration a feeling of safety is everywhere springing up in place of the paralyzing insecurity and doubt that prevail for generations a group of tenant purchasers in roscommon declare that since they have got a hold of the land they have not spared themselves in making improvements which will be their own for all time a parish priest in Cavan says that purchase has brought peace the people are more industrious more sober and more hopeful as to their future prospects the police say that before purchase they found the people troublesome and unruly but now all is changed and quietness and order reign instead the tenant purchasers are full of supreme contentment at their altered situation a priest in firminach says the people in his parish are more industrious now while the consumption of whisky has diminished by a third the evidence of these two ecclesiastics vividly recalls the words put in the mouth of the irish by sir r kane in 1844. We were reckless ignorant improvident and idle we were idle for we had nothing to do we were reckless for we had no hope we were ignorant for learning was denied us we were improvident for we had no future we were drunken for we sought to forget our misery end of section one hundred and one this recording is in the public domain